So something I always appreciate about these uh, services that we do in preparation for Easter every year, um, I appreciate that we uh, take time to read just giant portions of uh, one of the Gospels each year. So um, I think last year we worked through the Gospel of Matthew and the account of uh, Christ's uh, institution, the Lord's Supper, and uh, the, uh, the last days of his ministry uh, leading up to the crucifixion and then up into the resurrection. But this year, um, the, the readings we're doing on this Thursday night, Monday, Thursday, tomorrow, Good Friday, and on Easter Sunday, they're all taken from the Gospel of John, something that we haven't done very much of. But um, this year, uh, we are going to hear from John and what he sees uh, in uh, Jesus' final days of ministry. Um, and, um, there's just something really unusual about, as Avery just read us, uh, really a full chapter of the gospel of John. We don't do that very often. And Avery and I were talking right before the service and she was remarking about, um, how, uh, Peter just had real appeal to her that she saw that afresh because, uh, she was preparing for tonight's service. I think we get to, um, see the dynamics of what was happening between Jesus and uh, his disciples in a fresh way. So uh, what I want to do is um, I want to just focus uh, tonight on really one verse of Scripture to help us uh, with our Maundy Thursday worship service. Joe has already mentioned, as we came into the worship service, this word Maundy, this really strange word Maundy, we never use anywhere else, has to do with uh, the Latin origin of the word mandate, the commandment. So when, as we just heard read to us, a new commandment I give to you that you're to love one another uh, as Christ loved us, that mandate from Jesus Christ is given to the church, and it's something that we practice. We remember, especially on this Maundy Thursday, but we do it every week. That's the stuff of being the body of Christ. We ask God to give us insight how we might love one another, and probably the most important thing I could tell you about loving tonight before we read the verse we're going to read is there's a pattern in the Bible. There's a pattern in the scripture, and there's a pattern that we try to reflect when we sing the songs. Uh, tonight, uh, Gordon Collier and Becca Weather led us through that Newton hymn, Let Us Love and Sing and Wonder, which is a mandate, right? We're supposed to love, we're supposed to worship, sing and wonder. Um, but The reason every single time Newton says the reason why we'd give ourselves to loving God and worshiping him in the community is because he washed us with his blood. And he repeats it a bunch of times. I think we sang that a dozen times, literally. And so that's the pattern that you see as you study the Bible is we have this mandate to love. But there is no power to love unless you see that you have been loved. And that's part of what Jesus is trying to do in this John chapter 13, really through the rest of the book of John. He is trying to not just give a mandate, but he's trying to make it unmistakable that Jesus loves his people. And so um, we're going to look at that pattern a little bit tonight. Um, I just want to say up front, as a pastor here at the church, by the way, if you don't know me, I'm Kevin Green. I'm one of the pastors here. And... Um, something that I get to see that I wish everybody could see in this time of quarantine is the church honestly is pouring it out. I have seen people taking initiative 
to love folks that are sick. I've seen folks be generous to folks that have lost their jobs. I've seen folks reach out to just give some contact to someone who is lonely. Um, someone today, someone who is a medical professional who's very busy, made me and my wife masks because she saw the lame masks that I was using. I was basically tying toilet paper around my face to try to keep out some of the, uh, the virus. And this person, you know, said, do you have a, a decent mask? And the answer was no. And this person generously brought that by. I've seen that kind of thing um, happen over and over again. People are offering encouragement. And one of the things that's been interesting to note is as we do these video worship services, which we wonder, what's the real value of this? Oftentimes, it's in these kinds of gatherings, we share the good news of Jesus Christ with each other, and then I start hearing the stories roll in. The folks who were reminded of the love of God and Jesus, and then they went ahead and reached out to someone, or they were generous to someone, or they checked in on someone. That's the pattern that we're talking about. Okay, the verse I want to look at, and... Um, because the uh, verses in our order of worship are not numbered on purpose. Um, if you look what we just read, where it said, Jesus washes the disciples' feet, we're going to read that first sentence under that. And that's actually John chapter 13, verse 1. And I want to read it again, though it's been read to us before. And so in John 13, 1, it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And it's just a powerful verse for us to begin tonight to reflect on God's love for us. Um, two things I want to say about this verse, about how to think about it in this longer passage uh, of the Gospel of John that we'll read tonight. And if you were to really read the last uh, virtual, virtually half of the book of uh, the Gospel of John in the New Testament. The way to think about it is this verse is a transition point. It's supposed to, John, what try, John is trying to do is John is uh, trying to give you an introduction to the last days of Jesus' life and teaching you how to think about it. He's not just talking about foot washing here, right? That, that he's, when he says... Um, uh, that G- Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world, uh, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. This loving to the end, it's not just about this foot washing, but it does include that. Um, it's really about everything else that is about to happen. Um, the fact that he will spend a long time giving a farewell address to his beloved disciples. The, the, the way that he's going to pray for them and for all believers with such passion and tenderness and love and understanding of who God is. And, of course, his crucifixion. That's all in view here. This, what John is trying to say is, when we look at this section, you are supposed to look for God's love. You're supposed to expect that you will see at every turn in these final chapters of the Gospel of John that you are loved. And it struck me that John needs to say this, because I'm sure even these early Christians, as they're about to head into um, the betrayal of Jesus Christ, his abandonment, his trial, his crucifixion, and his enduring under the power of death for a time, it was not easy to see the love of God in that. What you saw was trouble and tragedy. And maybe for us, as we look at our lives or going nuts in quarantine or struggling with hard work or sickness or lack of work, it can be 
very hard to look for the love of God in those times. I know how I get. I look around and all I see is my trouble. And so John has to say, my friends, because of what Jesus is about to do, you should look for the way that he loves his people in what is about to unfold. And that's some good encouragement for us here. So three things I want to say about love. I want to say that uh, we're going to um, just learn from this verse that love understands. Okay, love understands. Love draws near. Love draws near. And then also love suffers. And I'm just going to run through these quickly because the point is, um, as we have been talking about, if you want to learn that love understands, draws near, and suffers, let's see how Jesus does that. And then that will give us insight to know how we are to love one another, how we are to understand, draw near, and suffer with one another when we see that Jesus has done that. So in this short verse, uh, John says that Jesus knew that his hour had come. And uh, I just want to talk about this, that Jesus, what it means that he knew. This word for knowing really has to do with that Jesus was able to see. Okay, he had a vision. He had a clarity of vision that he was able to perceive what was really going on. So this has to do, again, with this word understanding. That when Jesus looked at this situation, looked at these disciples, what he saw was he looked at them and he knew with understanding um, uh, that uh, he was going to do some sort of ministry with them. Um, here in this sort of Jesus knowing, it's not so much about that Jesus uh, is anticipating returning to the Father, but he is looking here that to love these disciples and to love us, it is going to be a very, very costly love. And Jesus, John is here as he reflects on that time. He says, Jesus was not surprised one bit that to love his people was going to be very, very costly. I was thinking today about, um, because I, uh, I am busy with both of my kids planning two weddings in my house, uh, Lord willing, for some point in the future, who knows when, perhaps this summer. Um, and I, I was thinking about my own um, uh, newlywed life. I got married to my uh, lovely wife, Kim, when we were 22 years old. So we were very young. And um, I was thinking today that how often... I thought that the goal of being married uh, on a day-to-day basis was to win, was to um, have conflicts and win them. Um, and I am amazed I'm still married to this day. Um, think of how terrible that is, they, that you think when you go to the grocery store that your goal is to be right about how to shop for things, or when you're talking about the best way to prepare macaroni and cheese, um, that whether you should add milk or should just follow extra milk or just follow the recipe. Uh, I had in my sights really just always being right. And when we had conflicts, I was always surprised by that because my approach was the right approach. <laughs> and also I'm a very lovable guy. So why wouldn't you just yield to this lovable guy? So I was just thinking about my kids are far more equipped to get married than I was. And, um, I just thought about how different my entering into a relationship with my wife, Kim, was 
than, that, than Jesus is when he's thinking about what he is about to enter into with these disciples. Jesus is, um, his goal is not to win <laughs> over these disciples. Um, he washes their feet. He serves them. He prays for them. He labors for them. He, he suffers for them and dies for them. He knows things about them. And yet he's not deterred by the things that he knows about them. It's more he's anchored by his passion um, to die for his own. Jesus always knew that this deep truth that just takes us a lifetime to even begin to access, that, that loving is always dying. Every single time that when you love someone, if it's a spouse, it's a friend, it's someone in the body of Christ, it's your enemy, it always involves a measure of dying, a measure of setting yourself aside for the sake of somebody else. Jesus understood that. I was also talk about this, uh, this point that uh, love draws near. Um, isn't it sweet, church, that Jesus calls these disciples and really, ultimately, uh, throughout the rest of the book of John, us, his own? Oh, what a picture of coming near, that is, right? That you would say, this one belongs to me. It's, this one's mine. These people are mine. Um, I have to say that um, one of the things that, uh, as I've gotten used to pastoral life using uh, the phone a lot more and um, Zoom a lot more and uh, email and text a lot more than I normally do and, and missing a lot of face-to-face interactions with you all, um, Something I've been talking to people about a lot is the gift of the presence of God, that God comes so near to us that even if you are alone in your house tonight, that I could, with real confidence and faith, say, your God sees you and he is with you. I cannot tell you how many times I've talked to folks about God has placed a Holy Spirit in you that ties me to you, ties you to the church, but more importantly, God himself is with you. That is a very, very precious reality for us as the church all the time. But maybe, especially in this time of social distancing and fear. And better than drawing near, Jesus gives us not just his presence, but he gives us his righteousness and his standing and his status and and his access to the Father, and his destiny. So it's important that Jesus understands the cost of love, but it's also important that Jesus is drawing near to his people. And and John is saying, I want you to look for that, church. I want you to ask God for eyes to see the way that he calls us his own. And then the last thing I want to say is that um, love suffers. Certainly this is a huge theme. Every time we get together during Holy Week is to talk about the, the suffering of Jesus Christ. There's a particular kind of suffering that John says we're supposed to look for here. And that's this, this phrase that he loved them to the end. He loved them to the end. And I just want to talk about that for a second. Um, this whole idea of that uh, Jesus loves us to, end, to the end, it's not so much about time, like that Jesus loved his disciples to the end of the Passover meal or to the end of the book of John or something like that. It's not really, you can't understand this as time, but you really should understand it as fullness and purpose. So that when John says that 
Jesus loved us to the end. It means that he has loved us to the full extent, as one of the translations of Scripture says, the full extent. He shows the full extent of his love to us. And there's two things about the end which have been so awesome for me to think about today. And maybe they're encouraging to you too. And that is um, to the end. When, when Jesus loves us to the end, it means a couple of things. One is um, church and believer. It means that when Jesus loves you, when he sets his sight on, on you to love you, that uh, he's going to love you until you are taken care of. That he is going to love you until what he sets out to do in your life is complete until you're matured, right? This is, um, sometimes they use this, this word to the end to describe like farming stuff. Um, something I'm doing, I got afraid a couple of weeks ago that, uh, one of the local, um, florists that I normally get all my herbs for the spring from was going to shut down. They weren't going to sell herbs anymore. So I'm like, okay, I got to go old school and grow stuff from seed. So I have a little, um, mini greenhouse set up on my windowsill at home. And I've been planting a bunch of herb seeds and stuff like that. And today, today I had my first little sprout, this little dicot of basil comes up. And in this sort of brown trough, there is um, all this space. And the only thing happening is a tiny little sprout, my, my very, my champion basil, the very first one. And when I looked at it today, I actually started salivating because I love herbs in my food and I love to make basil and I love to put that on my chicken and all this stuff. So I was like, when I saw that little sprout, I immediately saw the harvest at the end that I was going to, you know, get ready to kind of make this pesto at the end of the summer. It's something I do every year and I'm pumped about that sort of thing. That's, that's the worst word of loving to the end. When Jesus loves, he loves with the end in mind. Now the end for you is not pesto. The end for you, church, is completion, that you're made into the image of Jesus Christ, that you're delivered, that you're saved, that you're redeemed, that you are restored, that you're brought into the kingdom of God at last, and you see him face to face. And so Jesus has that in mind, that when he loves his disciples to the end, he won't stop until he reaches that goal that he has promised to us. I mean, I think the same thing about, I just mentioned, I'm working on these two weddings with my, my son and my daughter, and I love them so much. And it has been such a time to wonder at the maturity that God's brought about in their lives, but also wonder what's next. Will there be suffering or family, or will we live in the same town? Will we live on different continents? I don't know. But God's going to be good to bring that all to completion. Jesus loves us to the end. It also just means that uh, when you say that Jesus loves us to the end, the, the, what that word to the end really has in mind is that Jesus does not hold anything back. And maybe this is something for us to especially repent of on a night. We're talking about the mandate to love one another. This is super important. And I just want to pause to think about it. Um, a lot of us think that we are beyond loving. We have somehow squandered our opportunity to be loved by God. or We just don't care about it that much. I cannot tell you. It is our most precious gift. That God sent his only begotten son. John testifies to this in another place. 
so that we should not perish. Be left alone. Die. Be uh, assigned to a a hell of separation from him. That doesn't happen for the people of God. Instead, God holds nothing back so that we could have peace with God and fellowship with him forever. And it's that kind of love that John is teaching us to look for uh, at this point in Holy Week. Jesus, the same Jesus who washed his disciples' feet, would, in a very real sense, wash us, as we've sung already tonight, with his blood. And there was, also as we have sung, none other lamb, nothing else sufficient to wash away our sin. And because Jesus Christ has died for sinners, church, we can have confidence as the people of God that we are loved to the uttermost, to the end, to the full extent. Do you know that Jesus loves you? And that our God not only holds nothing back, but he does not give up until he accomplishes the redemption of his people. Let me lead us in prayer, and then we'll continue in the worship service. Father, I'm um, just humbled tonight uh, to reflect simply on the unfailing love of God in Jesus Christ. Lord, I want to thank you that you sent your son and he saw the cost of loving us and he didn't only understand that, but he did not hold anything back in accomplishing our salvation. Lord, I pray that we as a church would know that we are loved by God. That Jesus Christ has died for sinners to show the full extent of your love for us. And Lord, I ask, I pray that we would be persuaded day by day, compelled by the love of God in Christ. And so unleashed and compelled and turned loose and emboldened uh, in loving one another for your sake. We pray all this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's take time. We're going to confess our sins together. And uh, if you're following along in the uh, order of worship, uh, this is printed in your bulletin. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen.
friends, hear these words of encouragement as they come to us from John. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 